Hi guys, uh, I'm Kevin. I'm the senior leader of Collective. I just want to say thank you for taking time out to check out our podcast. And uh, before we listen to this week's message, uh, I'd like you to know that Collective Conference 2019 is happening at the end of August and we do not want you to miss this. This conference is going to be all about equipping you to restore order to the disordered spaces in our lives, beginning with the very real issue of depression and anxiety caused by our fast-paced modern living. We, we want you to go from fear to faith to creating a future for others. If you would like to check out more about our conference, uh, do check us out on our collective website at collective.my conference. Everybody you know is invited. Can't wait to see you and host you. So, all right, guys, take care and enjoy the podcast. Are you guys ready for the Word of God this morning? All right, if you have your Bible, your notes ready, we are beginning a new series. Uh, starting today, uh, we're going to talk about the Word of God. This new series is called Word. If you have your Bible, I'm going to start this morning by looking at the Word becoming flesh. John chapter 1 and verse 14. The Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 14. The Bible says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Father God, we look to You right now. It is a time for us to worship by listening to the teaching of the Word of God. If we are searching, if we are looking, if probably we are growing, God, we pray that this Word will minister to us, God, in various ways that meets our need because Your Word is alive. And I pray, God, that our lives be touched, be shaped, O oh God, from the inside out today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say, Amen. How many of you enjoyed the last series on prayer? And I think, I, think, I think it's been a great journey for us as a church because I think when we, when we first talk about prayer, a lot of us have been a Christian for many years. You, you're probably wondering, what else about prayer that we do not know that we still need to hear about prayer? But I think the season has brought our church to not just learn about the technique or the know-how, how to pray, but to cause us to be a more prayerful people in the kingdom of God, to be more prayerful as a believer in our journey with God. And so in the past five parts of the sermon, we have to come to understand that the end game of prayer is bonding and not getting. Perhaps at some point, all of us thought that prayer is all about requesting. Oh God, give me this. Oh God, give me that. And even as a pastor, you know, very often when we have prayer meetings, it is always about praying for revival, asking God to do something. But that's not the end game of prayer. Prayer is about bonding. And there's this huge part about trying to have a relationship with God that is not very much in place in our prayer life because we always think that prayer is about getting and not about bonding. The encounters that we have with God should lead us to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we moved on from a prayer where it is monologue, that I'm talking, I'm requesting, I'm asking, I'm pleading, 
I'm trying to get something. Prayer moves from a monologue to a dialogue where it requires now that we learn to hear from God. Are you with me? That now the sensitivity in our hearts to hear from God becomes more critical and more crucial because prayer is not just me talking. I need to let God speak into my life as well. I want us to see in the Bible that both prayer and the Word of God are closely related. Psalms 119 and verse 18. The Bible says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. The psalmist pray that the Lord may open his eyes to see the wonderful things that is written in the Word of God. Psalms 119 verse 36, Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. The psalmist again pray that the Lord will turn his heart that he may learn to love the Word of God and not himself. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 to verse 18, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know what, church? In the whole armor of God, the Word of God is your only offensive weapon. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And if we do not have the Word of God, we cannot fight. We cannot go on an offense. And after you understand the sword of the Spirit, it's actually the Word of God. The Bible says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Everybody say, all. All occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Acts chapter 6 verse 3 to verse 4 when the church began to grow and there were a lot of needs to be met. The apostles came up with this. Say, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them which is to take care of the needs of the people and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. I want you to know that both prayer and the Word of God are intimately related. Whether it is our personal journey in our walk with God, we need to have a prayer life, but our prayer life ought to be grounded in the Word of God. Or in our collective ministry, while we are serving, we are ministering to one another, we need prayer and we need the Word of God. And I think it is really a good progression. We learn about prayer and now we learn about the Word of God. Because last week, when I, when I taught about wordless prayer, I taught us to be in a place of silence so that we can hear from God. You know, at one point I thought, man, I don't want people to misunderstand me because people begin to think, Wow, you know, this pastor is really modern. He's teaching us to empty our mind. I am not teaching you to empty your mind. Hello? I'm not asking you to go home and, and then you hear God. That's not what the Bible is teaching us about when it talks about hearing God. You can only hear the voice of God, listen to God, when you begin to study, to meditate, and to reflect on the Word of God. Are you guys with me? That if God is ever going to speak to you, it is going to be consistent with the Word of God in the Scripture. Are you with me? God cannot say anything to you that is not according to His character, that is against His nature. For example, one day 
Somebody come up to you and say, Oh, pastor, I think God is speaking to me. So you say, All right, what is God saying to you? Oh, the Lord called me to this place in a desert somewhere in Africa. And because it is so dangerous, the Lord told me to divorce my wife and to be separated from my family. And that is the call of God in my life. I want you to know, if somebody come up to you like that, that is certainly not the Word of God. And it is not the voice of God. If somebody just come and say something where it is not consistent in the Word of God, it cannot be the voice of God. Church, it can become very dangerous if we think that we can hear God, if we think that, you know, uh, anything can be a voice of God. So people ask you sometimes, you know what, I, uh, I hear God, but I'm not very sure if it is the voice of God or it is my own voice you will recognize that it is the voice of God if you have been studying the Word of God. Without the revelation of the Word of God, we are caught in the vortex of our own voice. If we do not have in us the revelation of the Word of God, you know, our world is spinning so quickly. At any one point, any one of us, our head is spinning and we hear voices. You know, whether you are driving on your own in your car, there are voices in your head. Whether you are here right now trying to listen to me preach to you, there are things spinning in your head. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you're about thinking about something else. Maybe you're thinking about your lunch. Maybe you're checking your Facebook. Maybe you're checking your Instagram. And all this thing it is spinning so quickly, but without the revelation of the Word of God, you will always be caught in that whirlpool, in that spinning of your own voice. I want you to know it was interesting when, when, when God first dropped this word vortex uh, into my heart. Last Monday, I was in uh, HDBB to uh, attend the leadership conference. The, the, they have a new place. And it was great. It was so many people. I think it was a conference. There were a lot of pastors. And they were all so excited. They were like so loud. The singing was so loud. They're talking to your neighbor. We, we practically have to scream to each other to hear each other. I said, God, I want to be able to hear you. And God dropped this word vortex into my mind. Do you know? I don't even know what vortex meant at that point of time. Vortex, huh? So I, while people are praising God, I took out my phone and I go and Google search vortex. And it is a whirlpool. And I, I, I realized it was so important because so many of us, I want you to know when all this spinning, nothing spins forever. But when the vortex of your own voice stops spinning and you come to your calmer self, I want to ask you, what is the deepest seed, that voice that is on the inside of you that you hear? If when everything is calm, you still hear your own voice only, then you need to understand and take time to really dwell deeper in the Word of God. Are you with me? You cannot let the opinions of people to be the foundation of your life. You cannot let comments and criticisms to be the core, the anchor of your karma self. What is the foundation of your soul? If it's not the Word of God, 
it is going to be trouble for every one of us. And so we peel off all these things, whether it is comments from people from the internet, whether it is comments on your Facebook, on your Instagram, whatever it is, or words that people have spoken over your life, and there are all these words are spinning inside you all the time. But when it stops, do you hear God speaking to you? Do you hear the Word of God assuring you? Are you with me? We are a word-addicted lot. We read lots and lots of stuff, and I am guilty. We read stuff, man. We, we read stuff on the internet. We read stuff on the newspaper. We read stuff, you know, from magazine, from books. And because when we read all this and we dwell in them, these things form our thoughts. They very often become the basis of our judgments. And sometimes, the opinions of others become our voice. It is, you know, we, we, we turn on the, our Facebook or turn on the internet, your friend push an article to you about a certain thing. And then you look at the article, yeah, this guy is right. We don't even know who wrote the article because our friend pushed it to our timeline. You read it, oh yeah, I kind of agree with it. Two weeks later, another friend pushed you another article that has a totally different, opposite opinion of the guy that sent that early article to you, eh, he go your more. And so you, you realize like, now I'm stuck. You know, should I go this way or should I go that way? We know when that happens, how untrustworthy sometimes are the voices that is in our head. And that is why all of us, we need the Word of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, for the Word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. <coughs> the Bible is saying that the Word of God is not just a Word of God. It is active in our lives even right now. It judges us. <clears throat> so when we come to understand this, we know that the real deal is not reading the Word of God, but allowing the Word of God to read us instead. How often when we read the Word of God, it just speaks to us that it is me. We should not aim to master the Word of God. It should not be a text that we must try to learn from just to gain knowledge. Nothing wrong with that. But we should allow the Word of God to master us instead. <clears throat> Don't let the Word of God to be the information about God, but rather the formation of our hearts. What's the point? If you know every book in the Bible, you know every chapter, you know every verse, you know everything that is important about God. But there is in your heart you do not reflect the God whom you worship. We do not reflect the God whom we believe. Preachers <coughs> like to say this. This morning, let me <coughs> unpack the truth of the Word of God to you. Perhaps it is not about unpacking the truth of the Word of God. It is about packing it all in and let it be seated in the innermost part 
of our being. We need the totality of the Word of God on the inside of us. And everybody say, are you with me this morning? Isaiah 55. <clears throat> Isaiah 55. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. God is saying to us, it is not just your thoughts and my thoughts are different. God is not just saying that your ways and my ways are different. God is trying to tell all of us here this morning that the ways of God are higher than ours. The thoughts of God are higher than ours. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. The Bible is telling us that the word of God that is spoken out from the mouth of God that touches us, the Bible tells us that it will never return to Him void. And so what we need to learn to do is to understand the Word of God and we speak the Word of God because it is a guarantee from God that it will not return, it will not return void. But if it's your own word, you have to guarantee that it will happen. If it is your own opinion, you've got to make sure that it will happen. But as believers, when we declare that it is the Word of God, then the Word that God sends forth from His mouth will accomplish what it pleases and it shall prosper in the things for which God has sent it for. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to verse 14. It says here, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The Bible tells us the word of God is at work on the inside of us. But there is a condition that you and I got to believe. You've got to believe the Word of God. You cannot just hear it. You cannot just, wow, that was a great word, Pastor. And that was it. No, you've got to believe it in order for it to work in your life. So many people take the Word of God lightly, take the Word of God too casually, take the Word of God as just an inspiration. We like to quote verses and put it on the quotation or the caption on our Instagram. It is an inspiration. I want you to know that the Word of God is not just an inspiration. It is the supreme authority over our lives that all of us must subject ourselves to. Are you with me? The Word of God is inspiring, but the Word of God is not an opinion. The Word of God is not for us to pick and choose what we like. Oh, this part is too difficult. Okay, skip. You know, this part is too hard. I don't want to do it. This part is too demanding. It is not for me. When the Word of God is no longer the supreme authority over our lives, when opinion pieces 
and marketplace business principles are becoming more influential in our lives, no wonder there is no deep and real change that we experience. No wonder we no longer experience sustained breakthroughs and growths in our lives. It was very interesting last week. We, well, well, last week now, on the Monday, we went to the leadership conference in HDBB. It's called Leadership Conference, right? So we all went there. So in the afternoon, there were a lot of workshops to choose from. And uh, so we chose the principle of St. Paul's Theological Seminary. So we thought, okay, let's listen to theologian, you know. I went to the workshop, uh, the conference, it's called Leadership Conference. The first thing he said, you are not the leader. God is. I was like, oh, all right. I told my wife, it's going to be exciting already, you know. And, and so he said this. Uh, this is not part of my message, but I thought it was so important. It says, do you know the word leader did not exist in the English translation of the Bible until 1961 because it was first used by this NEB version to uh, represent a word in Greek and turn it into leader. And so the word leader was not there. So I want you to know uh, John Maxwell is not founder of leadership, okay? All right, it was there in 1961. And whenever the Bible used the word leader, it was referring to a negative kind of a leadership. It was talking about the rulers of the day that tries to control the people. But whenever the Bible talks about a leader, the word that was being used is a word that represents protection, caring, looking after the sheep and being a servant. I want you to know, if the Word of God is not the supreme authority over your lives, and that it is the marketplace principles, nothing wrong with that, and you think that that is more important than the Word of God, and then you begin to import the marketplace principles of leadership into the church. Things like visions, numbers, KPIs, targets. And so we talk about this. So the board of eldership in the church tell the pastor, Pastor, we want to gauge how you're doing. This is the target you've got to face. This is the thing that you must achieve this year. So the board pressure the pastor, the pastor pressure the staff. The staff pressure the leaders, the leaders pressure the members. Are you with me? And so after a while, the church just turned into this corporate company that has got target to meet. We are now run like a capitalism rather than run by God. There's nothing wrong with targets, hello. Are you guys okay today? Are you okay? The neighbor say Happy Father's Day. You all look so stressed. Nothing wrong with targets. Are you with me? We all need to grow. But if the targets become more important than the truth of the Word of God, if the marketplace principles become more crucial in your reliance upon it, then something is wrong with our Christian faith. Are you guys with me? And it is not wrong. But if we do not understand the Word of God, what it says about it, then something is not right on the inside of us. The song that the team wrote, The End of Myself, the chorus says, my mind tries to reason, but your ways are different. So often, in this time of our generation, we use our mind to try to figure out everything. We try to use our mind to reason God out, to figure God out, to, to convince ourselves 
that it is possible that I can explain God. If God worked like this in the past, therefore this is how God will work now. And there's no more mystery. I love it when Pastor Andrew taught us speaking in tongues. We do not know in the days of the New Testament, some of them pray in tongues, they were praying in a different language that other people could understand. But Paul says, when you pray in the Spirit, your mind is not fruitful, but your spirit prays. There is this place in our service, a space that we created, that our mind is not fruitful, but our spirit is connecting with God. Why? Because I don't want us to think that we can figure everything about God, that we lose the mystery of enjoying the presence of God. People come to church, sometimes, you know, so many, so often, that people may not know God, they may not be a Christian, they walk into this place, there's something different in the atmosphere. There's something different in the experience. They may not be able to put them in words, but they know something happened on the inside of them, and that is the presence of God. If we can figure God out, He's not God anymore. We are. So don't try to deal with every problems in life with an earthly perspective. We need heaven's perspective. Why is believing the word so important? Because without belief, there is no conviction. We become casual Christian. If we don't believe the word of God, and the word of God is an opinion, there is no conviction. Conviction is the verb of our belief. Conviction is our faith in action. The Bible tells us that faith without action is dead. Without conviction, the Christian faith then turns into something that is easily swayable. That means we can swing quite easily from one end of the spectrum or one end of the pendulum to another. There is no longer standards in our lives. Oh, we can sleep around. After all, what's the big deal? Everyone is doing it. We can skip church. We don't have to go to church every week. That's why there's 5G. We can simply do whatever we like, whenever we like, however we like. So we, our lives no longer be grounded by the truth of the Word of God. Let me tell you, church, without conviction, the Christian faith turns into a convenient state of life. Everything is convenient. Everything is based on convenience. If it's not out of the way, pastor, I'll be there. If it does not affect my schedule, I'll be there. If they have parking spaces available, I'll be there. By the time we lay all these conditions to God, I want you to know, and I get scared, maybe I am God and not Him anymore. You know, Christian faith, us as believers, we cannot be seen as people that can sway, that can compromise, that can, well, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that. Last, last Friday, we went to Malacca and we planted our church there called Borderless. Come on, let's give God a big hand. Amen. End of this month, end of this month, we are planting another church, that's church number 10 in Manila called Blessed. Anyone blessed? Anyone from the Philippines? One, two, three, raise your hand. I have one, I have two, uh, three, 
Be proud, Filipinos. Free. Only free. Please, go home today. Call your whole kampong. You know what's kampong? Call your whole village. Invite them to church. It is at Etsa in Shangri-La. We are launching our church there. Bring everybody. I want you to know, going to Malacca on a Friday night was not convenient. We had a whole worship team that drove the van, that brought equipment. It was not convenient. We reached home at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I want you to know things that are meaningful in life ought to be demanded. It cannot be easy all the time. Are you with me or not? It cannot be, oh, if it fits me, I will turn up. I want you to know it is not convenient for my wife and I. Do you know every weekend we don't see our kids? I don't even know. Like somebody has to take my kids to piano and another somebody has to take other kids to the playground. If my life, if our lives, our ministry, our serving God is based on convenience, there is no service on Saturday. I would love to be like everybody else, eat breakfast with my kids, you know, enjoy a cafe. We don't. I am not saying this out of anger, but I want you to know we are doing this because we are convicted that being pastors and leading the people of God is the best thing we can ever do in our lives. And I want my children to grow up knowing that mom and dad love Jesus. They will always put God first and not family. Are you with me? That we put God first. Those of you who have children, you have to let your kids know that mom and dad will always serve Jesus. Don't, don't, don't tell me you cannot come to church because your two-year-old cannot wake up. Are you with me? Since when a two-year-old tells a 30-year-old how to run their lives. And if you continue to live like that, your children will think, well, mom and dad compromise. Mom and dad don't put God first. I don't think I need to. I want you to know, convenience has a hidden price tag. Convenience only benefits us in the beginning, but it will cost us more in the long run. How many of you realize that prices of stuff in the convenience store is higher than your regular grocery store? One, two, three, raise your hand. You, you all know that? If you don't know, free information today. Are you with me? It's, it's more, it's, why? Because you're paying for the convenience. In the long run, you will lose out. You will bankrupt yourself if every day all your grocery is done on the convenience store. It is so convenient, pastor, to just stay at home and watch live service. Hey, by the way, if you're watching live service, no judgment today, okay? All right. <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, I, I don't go to the toilet, Pastor. I, I stay throughout the service. I watch every part. I lift up my hands. I worship God. I give my offering. I even take out my pen and my notebook and write down. I mean, if you cannot make it for church, I understand. But there's this thing about skipping church and wanting it to be convenient. When it's so convenient, you know, when your children grow up faithless and Christless, it is a way higher price to pay. Without conviction, there can be no commitment. Without conviction, there can be no commitment. If we, if we think that God created marriage to torture us so that you have no more liberty and freedom to sleep with anybody you like other than your wife, you got it so wrong. So you say, well, hallelujah, I've gone honeymoon with you this year. I want to try going honeymoon with somebody else next year. 
God did not create marriage to destroy our freedom. Marriage, it's beautiful when we understand that commitment is built over conviction. No one hates commitment when they understand why there was commitment in the first place. Hey, let me give you an, an example, okay? You, you, you say, oh, pastor, I'm a millennial. You know, we are casual. I, I want you to know, guys, stay committed to your job. Are you with me? There's no result if you don't stay committed. You, you, can, can you stop thinking that, oh, I want to join a startup and then next week you want to join another startup? You're not going to achieve anything in your life. Are you guys with me? So, so say, Pastor, I'm the modern generation. I'm a millennial and a millennial and I, I don't do commitment. Fine. Can you imagine one day after working for many years, you have saved up your money, you married your wife, you go to a developer and you look at the condo that they're going to build. They show you all the show houses and the location, the MRT that's connected, uh, traffic, everything that is all good and, and, and possible. And then... Uh, and then you tell the developer, hey, I am, uh, I'm a millennial. I don't need commitment. So you pay your 10%, you sign the uh, offer letter and you have taken a loan from the bank. And uh, you told the developer, hey, you know what? We're millennials. We don't need commitment. Take your own sweet time. Uh, build the condo whenever you feel like it. You know, take for as long as you want. We, we don't need your commitment. You just, I want to tell you, you will not think like that because three years down the road, you're going to start servicing your bank loan. Your bank is not a millennial bank. Your bank will not tell you, hey, Kiwi, I am a millennial banker. Take your own sweet time. We don't need your commitment. Feel free. If you feel like paying this month, pay. If you don't feel like paying, it's okay. I tell you what, if you don't feel like paying this month, they will send you a bill. They will punish you for late payment. I want you to know commitment is not a bad thing. It's not something designed to torture us. With commitment, you see result. I want to end with this today. So when we come to understand the Word of God, when we read the Word of God, spiritual reading is food for our soul. We receive the Word into our innermost being. We receive the Word of God deep on the inside, where we can digest it, mold it, meditate, and study it until it becomes flesh enough on the inside of us. In this way, spiritual reading is the ongoing incarnation of God in our world. So when you digest the Word of God, it becomes flesh. The Bible says, and the Word became flesh. Today, for the Word of God to be so real and tangible on the inside of us is to keep digesting, meditating, studying, understanding the Word of God. Church, we can be a fun church. And everybody say, we can be a creative church. We can have all the lights. And just now the lights was blinking. Uh, we can have all the nice music. We can all look cool and creative. And those are not the main deal of why this church is here. 
if this church does not believe in the word of God, if this church does not teach the word of God without compromise, this church is nothing. Are you with me? If we do not subject ourselves and surrender our lives to the authority of the word of God, this is just your Sunday morning club. And I want you to know, if I've been a pastor, and all I ever do is to make this a fun Sunday club, it would be the most miserable thing I've ever done in my whole life. I want us, like in our prayer life, I want us to dwell deeper in the Word of God. I want us to start reading, to start understanding. Yeah, in the beginning, it's going to be tough. It's going to be boring. But you have to plow and you have to understand. And then it becomes life to every one of us. Psalms 95 and verse 7. Today, listen to the voice of the Lord. Do not grow stubborn as your fathers and mothers did in the wilderness. Psalms 95 is talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness and they were so stubborn that they were not listening to God. But today, let's change that. Let us soften our hearts and listen to the voice of the Lord by knowing the Word of God. And everybody say, Amen. I want us to, I want you to know it's not going to be something that happened suddenly. It takes a journey. It takes a process. It takes time. But I promise you, if you have tasted the Word of God, it is sweet. And it is always good. It is always life-changing. It may not be easy all the time, but it is good for every one of us. And everybody say, Amen. Let's close our eyes, shall we?